Hey, caffeinators. Welcome to the Vet Tech Cafe. The Vet Tech Cafe is a podcast centered around veterinary technicians and nurses, hosted by myself, Dave Cowan, and my good friend, Jeff Backus. We strive to discuss current issues facing our profession and give our colleagues a voice and a medium to enter into these discussions. Our guests are experts in the veterinary field that we hope can help our listeners work towards dealing with these issues, as well as coming up with solutions that can lead to change. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on the Vet Tech Cafe, please contact us at vettechcafe at gmail.com, or you can find us at our website, vettechcafe.com. One thing we would ask of you, our listeners, is to rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. We're not exactly sure how or why this helps us, but apparently it does. So without further ado, come on in, grab yourself a cup of coffee, and get ready for another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe. Good afternoon, caffeinators. I uh, hope you guys are doing well. Dave, how's it going out in North Carolina? Is it getting hot? It's starting to be summer down here, so I'm, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm loving it. It's it's super hot, <laughs> and a, a lot of people down here hate the heat and the humidity. But I mean, this is the whole reason I came down here was to get out of the out of the cold. So I'm I'm happy to be down here in the in the heat. Uh, last couple of days have been really hot, so I'm starting to have to run inside as opposed to running mm-hmm. outside. But I'm enjoying it. Uh, how nice. you doing out there? Uh, we're doing good. It's actually uh, kind of a, a cool spell here, which uh, we get in, in Southern California, we get in May, what we call May gray and June gloom, where it's just kind of like <laughs> low clouds and some drizzle yeah. off and on. So we have that. It's It's been chilly today. Actually had to use the windshield wipers today, which was nice. <laughs> uh, but uh, Molly and I went camping at the beach. Uh, up oh, yeah, Southern, that's right. Uh, Central California over the weekend. And um, we met some friends that live up in the Bay Area there. It's kind of halfway in between. And so we got a couple days at the beach and got some good hiking in. And and just sitting there watching the waves come in was just so great to, like, clear my mind. And uh, so it was it was, it was was really good to, to see friends, to be outside, to be camping again and, and do some of that. But it was it, it actually felt really, really good for my mind, too. Yeah, and getting, getting back to something somewhat normal. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. little bit, and uh, you know, so just all those all those little steps are are, are scary. In fact, um, uh, I went and had lunch with my parents today, and we went to a you know a restaurant nearby, and uh, as we were leaving, of course, we were the only ones wearing masks, uh, yeah, in and out of the restaurant, and but um, one of the things that caught my eye is, is you know how at the like the host stand at restaurants they would have like bowls of mints as yeah. you left, and and today I saw that again for the first time, and I was like, oh wow, we're we're back to just put Putting out bowls where people can just yeah. put their hands in and, and grab away. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. yeah, we went out to eat this weekend as well. And, and you know, it's weird, like, being out and among people. Like, you know, we were wearing masks when we walked in and, mm-hmm. you know, sitting there. But, you know, just looking around, like, there's there's people around us. It's just kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. But slowly, like you said, slowly but surely, we'll, we'll get back to normal. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it just, you know, honestly, you know, it's 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 good to see people out and about. And, and hopefully things continue the trend that they are with, with you know, kind of the scaling back of, of protections. You know, I've been debating in my mind, like, am I going to continue to keep wearing a mask? Because since I had COVID last early July, I haven't been sick. Yeah, me neither. You know, like I haven't even had a cold. And uh, yeah, and I get, I mean, Robert will tell you, I get really bad. Well, I don't get yeah. really bad colds, but I re- react really badly to them. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I, get, get those, I get the I get the man cold, yeah. The man yeah. colds, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but like, I, I, you know, I haven't even had that. And granted, I work from home now and, and don't really have coworkers, but, but my wife, you know, is a vet and she's out there, um, yeah. you know, interacting with staff and starting to interact with the public again. So 
I don't know. I I think by and large, I'm going to continue at least for a little while longer. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna wear it when I go to the grocery store at least. And, yeah, and, yeah, you know, Out and about, you know, when I'm out in my runs, I don't wear it because I'm usually far enough apart and we're outside, so it's not that big. And yeah. and, and I'm vaccinated, so it's not that big. Yeah, of a exactly. Deal, but exactly. But inside, I, yeah. I I feel I'm gonna I'm gonna wear it more often than not. Just just like we said, the lack of getting a cold is yeah is is a huge plus for me. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, a lot of the, you know, restaurant workers or even if I go through the drive-thru, I like slip on my mask because they're required by their bosses to wear a mask and I yep, just want to yep. be respectful to them. Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's, and it's just, it's just not that hard. So yeah, it's really not that hard. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. I mean, it's so, it's so much part of our, our normal lifestyle now that. Yeah, it is. It, it, it's not that big of a deal. Right. Right. You know, granted a year ago, yeah, you would forget to bring a mask somewhere yeah. and, and you have to yeah. go back home. But now like you've got 50 of them and yeah. one everywhere you go. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's just right there. So anyway, I'm really excited about uh, about today's episode. June, if, if you're not aware, Caffeinators is Pride Month and we have um, Aaron Spencer coming by the, the Vet Tech Cafe today, who is the, the treasurer of, of Pride VMC or, or Veterinary Medical Community. And, and we'll talk more about uh, her bio here momentarily. But I'm really excited to have this conversation during during Pride Month um, because that's something that uh, that affects so many of our colleagues and we kind of missed uh, it last year right we yeah we, we did kind of didn't realize until like the last week of, of June like oh man right right we really so, dropped the ball on that so we're, yeah, we did. we're trying to get ahead of that Try, trying to be a, a bit better about that this year so again Erin Spencer coming by today she's been in the veterinary field for over 20 years early on found her passion of, a, of, of emergency medicine like like so many of us do and and she went on to earn her VTS veterinary technician specialty in emergency and critical care in 2011 and then after that kind of really developed passion for education and has her master's in adult education. Um, she's had a lot of management roles. She's uh, worked in a veterinary technology program. In 2019, started her own business, which provides uh, in-clinic training. And in 2021, she joined VEG, the Veterinary Emergency Group, as their director of veterinary nursing development, um, which I think sounds super cool. She's past president of both MVTA, Massachusetts Vet Tech Association, and NAVTA, the, the national organization. And she's the treasurer for Pride VMC and is the only technician on the executive board, which I think is just yeah, yeah. We were so, just looking at so, that before we came yeah, on. Yeah, so cool. And uh, the president elect for AVEC in the Academy of Veterinary Emergency and Critical Care Technicians and Nurses. So, Aaron, thank you so much for coming by the Vet Tech Cafe today to chat with us. What can we get you for a cup of coffee? Oh, I actually would prefer tea. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. we can do that. We've we had a few. Absolutely. We've had a had a few tea drinkers that, that come mm-hmm. on the show. Yeah, coffee. Uh, coffee will just make me feel funny. So I, I, I like a nice hot cup of tea. <laughs> nice. We'll do. We'll get right on that. Um, so if you don't mind, you know, I, I kind of pointed out a few things in your bio there, but if you don't mind taking us through your career path, uh, just because we always find such cool things that people have done along the way that, again, I think just a lot of veterinary technicians don't necessarily think about. So if you don't mind, just take a couple minutes and kind of where you started and, and how you ended up where you are now. Sure. Yeah. Um, so like a lot of people, I think uh, I was supposed to be a veterinarian. That was where it started. <laughs> um, and, and actually before that, if we really want to go there, I was supposed to be a physical, a human physical therapist. And I learned really quickly that wasn't going to happen. So I kind of bounced around a bit um, in college and then had kind of settled that I thought I was going to go to, to vet school. That's what I wanted. And again, like many people, went and I was just talking to someone a little while ago that had the same story, uh, went to do some of that shadowing that's, you know, was so important both to apply and realized, oh, but the technicians 
do everything and, and not everything, <laughs> but <laughs> maybe that's not, maybe that's unfair, but, you know, do all the stuff that I want to do. Like what I pictured a veterinarian doing was really what the technicians do. And so the next semester I enrolled in, I, well, I, I started working for this hospital that I had been volunteering at to just do shadowing hours and then for the next fall enrolled in a vet tech program. And that was in general practice, which I really... I appreciate so much uh, our general practices, but I also knew really early on it was just not where where I was going to be happy. And so a classmate of mine who was kind of the had had been on the job trained and then realized that she was missing a little bit, and so went back to school to get that bit. Uh, she was doing emergency, and she said, "You you need to come work with me." Um, <laughs> so she so so I did, and so that's when I discovered emergency medicine, and that was back in, I think, 2000. Uh, so a long time ago, um, I started working there. So I worked there, finished school, uh, and had been doing overnight emergency while I was in school, and then went to neurology for a while, which was really cool. At one point in time, I knew how to run an MRI machine. <laughs> so that was kind of fun. Um, I, thought it, I thought it was pretty fancy. And so just kind of from there, I stayed with the same company for 14 years full time and, and really just developed my career there. Uh, I, I ended up leaving neurology after a time. Um, I had gone back to school to finish my bachelor's degree. I thought, you know, we all hit that. Unfortunately, we all um, tend to hit some form of, am I really going to stay in this profession at some yeah, point yeah, in our career? Yeah. And luckily, a lot of us come through it and I did. But um, I went back to school, I was going to be a history teacher. I didn't ever teach history, but I <laughs> refound my love for medicine. So yeah, so from there, I kind of pursued some management roles. I was a ER department supervisor. And I eventually I was a technician manager for a hospital kind of ultimately overseeing 90 plus technicians. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. There were supervisors that helped with that. But sure. I, I oversaw them. But yeah, there were about Still. 90 techs in the hospital. And it's kind of around that around that time, I guess it was, it must have been 2010 because I remember my second year was when I was writing case reports or, or I remember my first year I was writing case reports um, for 2009 I guess I started with a, a nonprofit group and uh, it's called Rural Area Veterinary Services. And uh, we basically go out to Native American reservations mm -hmm. and set up a, we haul a horse trailer. I now can, I now can pull a horse trailer as well. <laughs> I'm not a horse person. So some random things I've done. And we set up a clinic in a community center or a gym on Native American reservations. And uh, it's also a teaching program. So I really honed a lot of my anesthesia skills and my resourcefulness skills there. But I also really found how much I liked to teach out there, teaching vet students and vet tech students about anesthesia and about patient care and all of that. And I really was starting to not love management as much. <laughs> I like some aspects. I, I like the people management part. I like working and developing people. But then there were, you know, I don't, I don't want to do another budget. So, <laughs> so uh, or have to argue why I need more in my budget. So I um, ended up uh, moving to work for that nonprofit for a while, and that further developed things. And, and uh, had gotten my VTS along the way in there, and wanted to really expand on that. And uh, so I went back and got my master's in adult education, I kind of was thinking that if I want to teach, I want to know how to teach. And so I did that and then ended up teaching in a veterinary technology program for a few years uh, that happened to kind of come along right as I was graduating with my master's. 
So I taught uh, with that program for several years until it kind of changed hands and took a little bit different direction. And at that point, I had I had started just on paper, uh, mostly on paper, a small business, a small LLC to do training and consulting. Uh, and I maybe did one thing a year with it. But in 2019, I took the leap and said, okay, I'm leaving this nice university job. Uh, so <laughs> why don't I go be self-employed? That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> so yeah, so I actually had my own company and did some relief work to help supplement. I went back to actually the place I had spent a ton of time and did relief work there uh, and also started my company. I'm a recover instructor, so I would provide recover trainings and uh, some kind of I don't, I don't do all the fancy anesthesia stuff, but you know, just going into a, a practice and talking about the basics like you need a non rebreathing circuit, you know, <laughs> let's Simple start there. Stuff, yeah. yeah. So kind of go in and just make sure they're doing like the best practices on the basics and consulting on utilization and things like that. And I did that until really the pandemic hit. And unfortunately, of course, no one wanted you to come into their practice in person <laughs> right. to do recover training and the pandemic. So I still have that company and I do a little bit with it, but I was really fortunate. Uh, you know, I did some other consulting things through, through the pandemic as well. But in February of this year, I was offered the opportunity to come work for a veterinary emergency group or veg. And uh, it was kind of like the everything I love to do, you know, there. So there was, uh, it's, it's strictly emergency. So I get to do emergency. Uh, I it's, I'm in a develop, I'm in the education role, I lead the nursing education department. So I get to use my education and love and the culture of the company is very similar to how the staff of Revs uh, has come to kind of cultivate the culture. So I got that piece came into my uh, my love of Revs, kind of just what I love about Revs is the culture. So mm -hmm. that's where I'm at now. I kind of got to put all those pieces together. And uh, here, here I sit. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's yeah. awesome. I was wondering if you could expand a little bit on Revs, because that kind of program is something a, a, a lot of people are always interested in doing and, and don't really know how to start. And I hadn't really heard about uh, anything to do with it until my time at Tufts the last few years. I know there was quite a few people, mostly before my time there, that had gone out on, on RAVS trips and done things of that sort. And I, I never got to participate. I think by the time I kind of really started looking at it is about the time the pandemic hit and, you know, it wasn't, uh, wasn't something I could do. But if you could just kind of Talk a little bit about how my, somebody might find something like that or, or what that kind of looks like if you're a veterinary technician going out on these trips. So for RAVS in particular, just to kind of to talk a little bit about uh, what we what we do or and kind of other programs like ours. So as I said, we kind of go out to, to Native American reservations and, and most of our clinics are, are full surgery clinics in the sense that we do all their vaccinations, we do spay neuter, we also do, we do amputations in some instances, we do uh, enucleations if needed. So you can see quite a bit. Uh, we're obviously not in a, you know, all the bells and whistles type hospital. We're in a gym doing these. So it's it's really an interesting kind of using what you've got kind of approach. Um, mm -hmm. That said, uh, we have we have anesthesia machines and we have, you know, good drugs <laughs> that we can use for, uh, you know, we've really developed into, you know, we want to provide high quality medicine. We, we kind of have the philosophy, we are a teaching program. So we don't want to be teaching poor, you know, we don't want to be teaching bad medicine or substandard medicine. We just want to be teaching how to do it when your options are limited. So uh, what we do is we bring uh, usually six or seven staff members like myself in a combination of vets and, and techs. And then there's 
you know, another handful of uh, professional volunteers, so veterinarians, technicians, assistants, a couple people to run the, the front desk, so to speak. And then the rest are all students. Um, and the teams are somewhere, you know, usually between 35 to 45 people. So that's a lot of students. And most of them are veterinary students right now. Uh, we're trying to change that to have more technician students, but we're getting there. And really, it's coming out and just being able, for me, the, the big thing about doing anything like this, and I'll, I, I'll kind of talk about getting involved in a minute. But the thing for me about it is it just shows you a whole different side of medicine and the human animal bond. For me, that's mm -hmm. a huge part. Yeah. It shows, you know, love is not the fat chihuahua on the couch. It can be, but it's not the <laughs> sure. only way, right? Sure, <laughs> like, yeah. There's, yeah. And it, there's, there's just such a difference. You know, some of these people I've talked with, you know, I, I can, there's one case I always think of when I talk about go down this line of talking, this woman that brought this fairly emaciated Rottweiler that had a kind of funky looking front leg to us. And in the course of the conversation, we found out that the only thing the dog had had to eat in the last two days was half a slice of pizza. But that was also the only thing the woman had had because she split it with the dog, right? right, right. right? Like those are the things yeah, you learn yeah. about and, and the things that they, that people will do and you just learn it on a whole nother level. And also just kind of learning to, to interact with people outside of your normal world is great. Mm -hmm. For RAVs, you know, we have our, our, our website, rural area, it's rural area, that dot org, if I remember correctly. But if you Google RAVs, it'll come up. You know, that's kind of a just an application process when we're doing clinics. We have not been because of um, COVID. But, you know, applying for, for vet students, it's usually like a one time, like, it's open the state to this state for each season, but professionals can kind of put an application in any time. But there's a lot of programs out there, and some are stateside, some are international, and they have a variety of, you know, kind of where the technician falls. I think technicians need to be a little more careful on some of these these adventures than the vets do. Um, some of them, like RAVs, you're highly independent and highly autonomous, and you are going to work as a true technician. There are some that maybe go a little over what we do, <laughs> you know, like okay. that maybe gotcha. are outside what you would be allowed to do in this country, uh, right. maybe in that other country. And then there are some where you're not really using your skills at all. And mm. maybe that's what you want, right? Maybe that you, you don't want to have to think about that. So I think there's a lot. Um, really, the best thing I can say is, unlike when your animal's sick, in this instance, is start doing Google searches, and then really start to read <laughs> into and really, really talk to people um, yeah. that have yeah. done it. You know, if you kind of start putting out there, has anybody gone on these trips? You can really find out a lot of information pretty easily. That's how I started. I was I had been doing all these searches, and then I happened to eavesdrop on a conversation at work. That's how I found Rabs. <laughs> that had just come back, and I was like, "Sorry, what are you talking about? I've been searching online for months." Um, yeah, but there's so many more than there used to be out That's there, awesome. which is great. That's awesome, Aaron. As someone who has worked in all facets of this field. Uh, it's just amazing that you've been in teaching, you've been in management, you've been uh, as a technician. Now you're, you know, the president of, of AVACT and uh, treasurer of Pride VMC. Looking at the veterinary technician profession as a whole, how do you see this? Uh, you know, we've had a lot of different answers from a lot of the different people that we've talked to on how they view it. Some some have a very positive light to it. Some have a have a positive, but there's a lot of things we need to fix light light to it. In in terms of the the grand scheme of things, taking everything into account that you've been through in your career, uh, how do you see the vet, veterinary technician profession right now? I see it as promising. I mm -hmm. I feel like we have 
come so far. And I think, you know, I, I think about what my job was 20 years ago, or even the, the senior technicians, you know, when I was the, the baby tech <laughs> and what their job was 20 years ago, or even how they performed that job. And I just see so much growth. There are uh, some things we definitely need to work on. We have, you know, we need to be paid better. We need to have better respect. We need mm-hmm. to be able to, we need to have some more consistency. We, we need to be recognized as a job that should be, should be overseen, right? Like there's yeah. still states where yeah. Yeah. We're, we're not even defined, never mind license. And so I think there's a lot of work to do, but I get really excited in seeing all the work that's being done, whether it's with NAVTA, whether it's with state associations, whether it's with, um, you know, other groups that just have a stake in it, you know, corporate groups, or, you know, just, again, like, in- interested parties that are, are really working towards it. As we're talking uh, and recording, I'm, I'm at VMX uh, for my first live conference in a while. And we <laughs> just we just did, um, I sat in on the NAFTA update today. And I was so inspired to listen to somebody had asked a question about like, it being uncomfortable to want to recognize that I'm the credentialed technician and want to have that distinction. And how do I, how do I approach that? And the speaker didn't have to answer that because the other people spoke up and they said such positive things about not only being credentialed, but about the role of the assistants and about the roles of these folks. And it was just really inspiring that I think the message is getting out there. And so we're, I think we're on the cusp of seeing some of that really big change that we're hoping That's for. Great. That's awesome. And, and, and Dave, we should, um, you know, I don't think we've, we've mentioned, but kind of on the, um, on the plane there of the, the state level and things, um, it was a, Big announcement recently for for Montana uh, for vet techs becoming written. Oh into, yes, you know yeah. written into the practice act. So so shout out to our Montana colleagues for getting that through air. And I know you're working on on some stuff with with Massachusetts. That's a it's a massive undertaking to do that kind of stuff to get that that pushed through. So um, so huge uh, shout out to to our Montana colleagues because that is no small feat. Right. It is not. And they fought, um, you know, being involved with NAFTA when they were starting. I mean, they, they were, there were, there were some real struggles for them. They had some yeah. comments that were made that showed that there was some real misunderstanding about what we do. So I really mm. give them so such big credit for actually being able to get that through. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so Aaron, we'll kind of transition to what we want to talk about here the, the bulk of the time, which is, is Pride uh, VMC Veterinary Medical Community. Um, so if, if you would just kind of Put out there for our listeners what Pride VMC is, um, why it's important to you and, and the members of, of the Pride VMC community. Sure, yeah. Pride VMC is Pride Veterinary Medical Community. And I, I like to point out, it, it you will notice it is not Pride VMA. Well, the VMAs always kind of um, lend themselves to yeah, the idea yeah, of being... Yeah, stuck out to me too. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, to me, it's two reasons. that Theirs, I think, is a little more of one, but I like to think it's the other. So a lot of times VMAs are associated with the veterinarian in groups, right? And so to me, I like that it's a VMC because it it isn't those three letters that often make me think, oh, that's not my space, right? <laughs> For just as a vet tech. <laughs> but we really want to say the, you know, the veterinary, Pride Veterinary Medical Community, because it really is a community and, and their mission uh, and the whole purpose of the group is, uh, as our mission states, is to create a better world for the LGBTQ plus veterinary community. A huge part of that community that we have, though, is also our allies. And so that's a, a huge piece as well. So that's kind of the, the real basics of what we do. For me, it was important on a couple of levels. I just, I, 
I just in general think everybody should be able to have their best world to live in. But so there's that. But they're <laughs> they're just doing some you know some great work. On a personal note, I myself am bisexual. My sister is uh, my sister is a lesbian and non-binary identifies as non-binary. Uh, so just on a you know personal and family note, this would be a group that I was felt was important. And this group was actually. Um, I didn't ever, I, you know, to have said this on a podcast, would, I would never have said that I was bisexual even six years ago. And so it was really kind of starting to work with Pride BMC a little bit that I actually said it out loud for the first time to um, one of their board members in a conversation. And I was, and I acknowledged it. I'm like, that's the first time I've said this out loud and I'm over 40 years old. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> um, and so right then that was when I said, and I was already willing to get involved. And now I'm really willing to get involved because they made wow, that wow. space comfortable for me to say it. Hmm. Wow. And how, how does somebody join or become involved in this. I, I, we were looking at the website earlier, um, and there's a lot of great resources for being mm -hmm. allies and how to be an yeah. ally. So how does somebody get involved? You can sign up, uh, pridevmc.org. Uh, there's a tab at the top for membership, and there's different membership categories. Uh, we definitely, you know, kind of becoming a member. If you're a student, you can, there's a student price for that as well. And you can, you know, join at any level. You know, we welcome, we truly welcome any level of membership. And once you join, you kind of would get onto any of our, you know, communications. And so we do, uh, we do a lot of, to kind of get more involved, we do, uh, town halls four times a year. So, you know, kind of definitely have to kind of those are our member meetings, I guess you'd call it, uh, kind of do some updates and then usually have some sort of theme or topic in there. Uh, once once we get back to real life, uh, we have, you know, <laughs> at, at conferences, we have um, meetups and things like that. And then we also do some other other kind of meetings through the year. We have some pride events planned this year. We're still virtual for pride events, but we are doing a, a you know, one small, the, the, the small group of us here at VM are doing a little get together uh, in person. So yeah, so once you once you get that membership in and you're on our list, then you can you get all that information and, and know when to join. And they're just really great meetings to get on and just kind of hear people's stories, learn a little bit, little bit, you know, especially for the allies to kind of start to learn a little bit about how they can be a better ally is always good. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. And with with this being Pride Month, you know, June being Pride Month here in veterinary medicine, what does Pride Month look like in the context of veterinary medicine? Like I see a lot of organizations, I see a lot of people, and, and certainly we, you know, the Vet Tech Cafe did as well, kind of did a rainbow overlay of, of your profile picture and, and all that. And, and I know it's obviously way, way, way more than that, but, but what is Pride Month in terms of veterinary medicine? Because I, I think there are so many people in, in our field, our colleagues that um, are LGBTQ, like, this is a this is a really big thing and and for our colleagues. So what does that look like? I'm going to I'm going to hit you with my history teacher for a minute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to start. So I think it's I think it's always important to bring up why June is Pride Month. Like it wasn't just an arbitrary no, like no. June June's a good month, right? So June is Pride <laughs> Month because it's to honor uh, kind of in honor or in remembrance of the Stonewall riots that happened in New York, uh, which you know kind of really really quick was uh, Stonewall was a gay club that got raided. There was it was it, it was riots because of what the police were doing at that time um, it, at there, and it was kind of a, a wake up that 
the gay community needed to do something and stand up and, and say, like, we are we, we should be treated with the same decency and respect that everybody else is. And so that's kind of why we have that. And I think for the members of the LGBTQ plus community, they're still on some level fighting that uh, where things are so much more welcoming for most folks uh, than they were back then. But there's still still a lot to be done. And the veterinary field and the veterinary community as a whole is one of those places where there's a lot of work to be done. I think a lot of veterinary spaces are open to someone being and living their authentic self, but they don't necessarily know how to make them most welcoming, <laughs> such, you know, the mm-hmm. most welcoming environment. So um, things are getting better there. But I also, we're also just really understanding that if you want diversity in the veterinary field, you have to actively work for it. It's not just going to come to you. So where aside for, uh, you know, obviously there's, we have a lot of, you know, predominantly female veterinarians, I would probably say, despite the demographics on this podcast, we are predominantly female <laughs> for veterinary <laughs> technicians as we well. We get that a lot. Um, right? We get that yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah. um, so we do have, we, we got that going for us, but we're almost gone swung the other way on, on that. But other kinds of diversity, I think, all all across the board, there's just still some some work to be done. To I, I, I like to think that there's probably way more members of the LGBTQ plus community in veterinary medicine than we even know, and because we have we we have some level of acceptance or being able to let people kind of, you know, include them and have that inclusivity. But uh, at the same time, there's there's those we aren't. And I think trans, the trans community in particular are facing, are facing some issues. You know, people don't care if you're gay or lesbian, but sometimes that trans piece, again, it's not that people would care one way or the other. They, people, we just don't know, you know, we may be in a situation where we're not understanding how to be inclusive of someone in the trans community. So that's a really long-winded way to say that I think the veterinary community, Pride Month is a great time to remind everybody in the veterinary field that we are not a diverse uh, a diverse group at this point. And mm-hmm. we're, there, there's more diversity than we know, but we need to start fostering and really celebrating that diversity. And Pride Month is a great way to start doing that. And the more we as a whole veterinary community can celebrate Pride and celebrate all the, what diversity we do have the more open and welcoming it may seem to those that may want to join us that aren't at this point. And just thinking about like Pride Month and kind of going back to, you know, we have Veterinary Technician Week. What what types of things get done in the practices? Like I, I've worked in many practices and I don't really see anything happening for Pride Month. Is there something that could be done? Like are there ways to uh, celebrate Pride Pride Month in the hospital, or or is that still kind of in the early stages of things, and we haven't really figured out what we're supposed to be doing? I mean, I'll be honest; I probably don't have a great handle on what's happening, uh, kind of uh, all told in practice. I my my impression of the things I have seen, you know, on social media or being in a practice here and there, uh, we are still in the phases of we're going to hang up rainbow themed things or put yeah, a pride yeah. flag out mm-hmm. and and that's how we're going to celebrate and and that may be where you're at and that's okay and if that's the first step you're taking and you're on that journey that is i mean if i walk in somewhere and i see a pride flag i feel much more comfortable right like mm, i feel yeah. like okay this is an open this is an open and accepting place at least on some level <laughs> um, and so i think next steps are to really the real the real thing we can do is not make it just one month so mm-hmm. starting to implement things like making pronouns 
you know, normalizing introductions with pronouns, being clear, you know, kind of making it clear in our policies and our discrimination statements, you know, very spelling out that, you know, all of the all of the possible things, you know, addressing that there's no discrimination on sexual orientation, gender identity, gender presentation, gender itself, you know, all of those things, in addition to some of the other things, and spelling them all out there, and then having a very clear statement, you know, that and, and following up with that. And I think if those things are there all year, then Pride Month can be rainbow cookies and, you know, <laughs> sure. and that, yeah. because you're already doing the hard stuff. And so then right. it really is just that celebration, but really acknowledging it and making sure that your team, that, that it's not just pride month. Um, and then if you're doing those other things, then yeah, we can, you know, kind of those things happen. So I don't know if there's other, I'm sure there are other, you know, organizations that do things like pride posts every day, they highlight somebody. And I'm sure there are those hospitals out there that are doing that. And you know, that's a fine line. Some people don't want to be highlighted. Um, So you you walk that. But you know, you you could, you know, kind of highlight those that do to really bring that attention and, and let them know that you do celebrate them as part of your family or your community or your practice. When you not necessarily, you know, for for Pride VMC, but just, you know, you as, as a bisexual woman, if you see somebody this month, like even us, um, you know, for the Vet Tech Cafe, our, our logo is changed to rainbow. I think we do it because we want to show that we support our colleagues and that, you know, while neither Dave or I are LGBTQ, like we recognize that many of our friends and colleagues are and we support them. Is that is that generally how that is viewed or is it viewed as like a, a misappropriation in any way or that, oh boy, another company has a rainbow thing, like that's just a thing that you do. Uh, how do you how do you see that? Speaking mostly for myself, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think... I can see it both ways. And so I think it goes back to kind of what the statement I was just making, you know, if, if, sorry, I had to take a breath because I was going to just throw out a company name and I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Uh, It was not in veterinary medicine, but I I won't throw anyone under the bus on here. But (laughs) but if, if I had a company that I knew that, you know, 11 months of the year were doing things that, you know, either unintentionally or mm-hmm. inadvertently harmful to the to mm-hmm. the LGBTQ plus yeah, community yeah. or were actively, you know, doing things against to harm them, then I would have a big problem if I suddenly saw a rainbow flag out front or, sure, sure. you know, we're going to have this rainbow product or whatever. That said, though, the vast majority of the time, I I appreciate seeing it. I appreciate people that are, I, I you know, a company's doing it or people just being supportive uh, that are our allies, you know, it, and just everybody in the community coming together. And I, I appreciate being that everybody wants to be part of the celebration, you know, makes makes kind of, I think it makes for a welcoming and inclusive environment. And so I think vast majority of the time, I love it. I welcome it. As long as, like I said, as long as that's not just something you did for the month of June. And then, you know, right, six right. months from now, I catch you making a, a inappropriate joke in the break room, right? Sure. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Absolutely. So I think as long as it is truly who you are and you want to help us celebrate that month, then go for it. I love it. Uh, Jeff, I, I hadn't even, you know, I hadn't even thought of that until you just mentioned it, that, like that we may be sending out the wrong message. But I, I feel like we we are all inclusive of, of yeah. all of our technician listeners. Yeah, and, and that's I mean that's how I see it, but that doesn't mean that's how it's it's received. And so Yeah, yeah. yeah. Excellent point. So demographically, do you feel like the LGBTQ plus community is more a, 
closely associated to the demographics of the U.S., or do you think that there's more or less in the veterinary field, or, or you know, do you have any kind of demographic numbers that you can give us? Uh, unfortunately, I don't have any great demographic numbers for you, okay. uh, especially for our profession specifically for vetex. I there was um, recently a survey done with veterinary students. The AABMC did that, and I don't have quick access to it, but I don't. I don't think the numbers are representative of anywhere, uh, to be okay. honest. <laughs> and uh, you know, well, I shouldn't say that. You know, I, actually, I don't. I mean, predominantly the vast majority. I mean, and this this that demographic was not just LGBTQ plus; it was also you know ethnicity and and things like right. that. Uh, and I and. We are heavily, if you looked at those numbers, heavily white and straight. <laughs> kind of what was on there. Yeah. Um, now, again, I think they were, I, I believe it was anonymous, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, so some people may not have been comfortable to reveal certain things, but I, I think to me it looked low. I felt like those, that, that is not probably representative of the mm-hmm. country. But I, I will be honest, I did not have numbers to compare it to. That was sure, my impression sure. um, that I think we, we could do better at improving those that diversity. Gotcha. Gotcha. And when we think about, uh, again, as, as I was kind of saying when I was asking you know, about the, the pro- profile pics and, and what have you, how can we, and, and, and by, by we here, I mean like for Dave and I, two white, straight, you know, non-LGBTQ plus people, how can we be more supportive or inclusive to members of the LGBT community? Like what can we do as allies? What can we do just to show that we support you, that we're with you, et cetera? Short, short of just putting rainbows on our Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, but like the, the actual work, if you will, <laughs> yeah, you know, the, yeah. the other 11 months out of the year uh, kind of thing. There are a lot of different things about, you know, just kind of, I mean, really it's just letting people be their authentic selves, you know, whatever, whatever that is kind of, that's, you know, that's okay. That's you. And that's, we're accepting of that. I think one of the easiest things that allies can do, and this particularly pertains to kind of our non-binary or transgender uh, community members are the pronoun piece, right? Not everybody Mm -hmm. uses a she, she, her, him, his type pronouns, but it still is kind of, it's it's a hard discussion to have if you mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. if someone uses they them or some other type of pronoun it's not part like it's not part of kind of what we're used to having as an introduction to say hi i'm i'm so and so and my pronouns are are whatever you know whatever right, those right, are right. we don't and we don't say that and so for them there there's sometimes not that opportunity without it being like feeling like there's a spotlight to have to talk about it. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I think the more um, those of us that do use kind of the, I, I'm going to just say it as an example. This is, I never use this, but the quote, normal pronouns, you know, like what we're used to, they're not normal. Mm-hmm. Right? Everybody's are normal, but we don't see it that way until it becomes normalized to use all the rest. So for those of us that do use she, she and he and whatnot, for us to start using that in an introduction. So, you know, hi, I'm Aaron Spencer. 
uh, my pronouns are she, her, hers, is I, I'm trying to get that to be normal uh, for me to say, you know, to make that that piece. That's just how I introduce myself. Um, when I'm on Zoom calls, I have my pronouns in my little name on my hmm. Zoom call or asking at, you know, I, I've started when I do trainings to invite people. I don't make them say their pronouns because some people may not want to, but I invite people to share their pronouns when they introduce themselves just so that it becomes kind of, you know, and the more allies just do that too it just makes it kind of what what we hopefully that you know the more people do it the more it's just expected and it's just doesn't seem like it's a big deal when someone does it at that point so i think that's huge and it's easy it's it's hard for me at 45 to start to remember to do that but in theory in theory it's easy um so that's one thing uh just the other thing is stepping up when something isn't okay so back to that like catching you making the inappropriate joke in the break room when you're in the break room and someone else does it like instead of us kind of doing the you know i can picture being younger and doing the kind of like that that's so inappropriate i i can't laugh at it so i'm just going to walk out of the room like actually saying hey that's not cool you know yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah like yeah, this yeah. isn't what we do and so i think those those are kind of the things that uh from a, an ally perspective we need and and talking about the importance of this with other people and other people that don't understand. We were just, I was just having a conversation recently that somebody who doesn't see value in being accepting and inclusive or, or thinks they might be, but is missing that mark, you know, they, they don't realize that they're not being, that's not the person that's going to show up to a pride VMC talk at, at a conference to learn about how they can be a better ally, right? They're not going to come to that talk. However, if they're sitting talking to somebody else who they don't think is going to be preaching to them necessarily, you know, it's just part of a conversation, they're probably actually going to be much more likely to listen to an ally that just happens to bring it up, you know, maybe after that bad joke was told or mm. just this is why this policy is coming out you know that they may listen so just kind of having those conversations is super helpful gotcha and just to kind of go back to the pronouns is this a relatively new thing or am i showing my ignorance a, a, a little a little of both and i will okay. say that i it's my it's my ignorance too until recently until i really started getting involved so I think that there's always been folks that have not been comfortable in their body and have always, you know, it felt that there there was a disconnect, right? They did not, um, they did not feel comfortable. And so transgender mm-hmm. is nothing new. And knowing that somebody might not want to be called he because it's uncomfortable or she because it's uncomfortable for them, that's always been there. I think the piece mm-hmm. that is, is relatively new, I, I think probably the next iteration of that, which again, the vast majority of us were probably ignorant to was maybe them trying to figure out and saying, okay, well, maybe if I used this or, you know, coming up with some alternate pronoun was probably, I I mean, and I'm not 100% sure of of everybody's path, but I'm sure (laughs) somebody said, I'm going to go by this. But they probably needed to go by whatever those pronouns are in a very personal way, again, Mm -hmm. right? Like that wasn't going to be what was accepted. So I think the ability for, for those that identify with identifying something other than the traditional way that they're they are non-binary, they're transgender, their pronouns are something other than he or she, the fact that they can now use those pronouns and that it's 
an accepted or becoming an accepted part of our language and how we talk and, and what that means, that is, is new. And so you are not like, it's not like you missed something that was out there the whole time. <laughs> you know, um, it's, We're all just really starting to learn like this is, this is what, you know, this community needs and mm-hmm. now we're ready to support them. We're in a little bit better accepting world. Yeah. Sure, sure. sure. And, and you said in there, I, I like the way you phrased in how you invite somebody to, to share their pronouns with you. Is it, would it ever be, or I guess, is it inappropriate for, for me if, if somebody introduces themselves? Like I, I certainly don't want to stereotype somebody and say, oh, this, this particular person may have a different pronoun. Like how, how, how would I invite somebody to, to share that? I think that for, for me, the easiest thing is to model the behavior you want, right? There's the teacher in me coming out, but hi, you know, <laughs> hi, I'm Erin. I use she, her, you know, my pronouns are she, her, hers. So that would open up for that person ah, to hopefully gotcha. introduce themselves back in the same way, or maybe you missed that. Maybe you forgot to say it and you realize after, oh, I want to, I want to know, you know, for what mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I want to make sure that I've opened that or, or invited that. You know, I, I would follow up with, oh, I, f- I forgot to mention, you know, I use he, he, him pronouns or she, her pronouns or whatever it is, you know, and then let gotcha. that person say, oh, okay, yeah, I use these. And it's in talking to my, my sister who actually, she, she uses both. She uses the she, hers, as I'm using right now. She goes by they, them as well. And I, we had a conversation once that it's almost like a code, you know, in the sense of you you using and introducing with pronouns or you sharing your pronouns is almost kind of that like, and I'm opening up for you to tell me whatever you want to tell me, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, okay. It's okay. Like, yeah. I, and, and that was just me and my sister coming to that. Like, it, it, that, that, it kind of helps if someone else does it first. And that person may or may not be there to do that, but at least you've given them that opportunity. And right. I, I, I can only imagine it would at least, even if they're not quite ready to share uh, their pronouns, that hopefully would at least make them feel a little more comfortable that you're welcoming of who they are, regardless. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What are the next steps for Pride VMC? I know we've talked a lot about how to be an ally and, and uh, all the, the different things that are going on, but how, what are the next steps? Are there any events planned? Are there things that are, are on the horizon for Pride VMC? We have Pride all our Pride stuff coming up. So actually, again, if you are on our website, pridevmc.org, uh, you can go to the calendar and it will tell you all the upcoming events. So We'll have, like I said, we have our member meetings, which our next member meeting is uh, August 10th in the evening. Uh, we have some different educational and social events. So we do, um, we, we do happy hours. Uh, we had just had one of those for Pride, uh, Pride Month on June 2nd. Uh, we have some talks that we have. We're doing, actually, it was, it was today. So I should say it's tomorrow, <laughs> but nope, it's, it was, it was it's on today. June 7th. Yeah. So it was on June 7th uh, for, um, kind of a, a talk on how to show up for allyship that was in conjunction with BMX. But we do also have coming up uh, in the next uh, several days, uh, a talk on intersectionality um, of you know DEI and vet med. So diversity, equity, inclusion, how does that come together with vet med? So some of the things we've been talking about specifically to vet med, that's on um, June 14th. We are having, I'm really most excited about, we're having our Vet Med Pride celebration. Uh, so I am actually co-hosting it with one of our Pride BMC members, uh, Dr. Erica Lynn Handel. Uh, we're planning a, we're planning an evening of fun. So we're having some different breakout rooms with just one room sharing stories for the low key folks. There'll be a one room for the 
for a dance party for those with a lot more energy and then playing some <laughs> games. So that's, I mean, a lot of our stuff is really just getting people together in the same space. And then the last thing that I'll kind of mention, I, I could go on, but <laughs> the, the last one I'll mention in conjunction with our Pride events is we're doing an um, evening with um, Pride VMC and the Black DVM Network. So uh, Dr. Oh, wow. T.R. Uh, Pierce from... Um, uh, Black DVM Network is coming. We did we did the same kind of collaboration during Black History Month, um, and now we're doing another one between her and our president Dane Whitaker. And Pride VMC has uh, there's there's kind of a network of refer them as affinity groups. So there's Pride VMC, the Black DVM Network, the Multicultural VMA, um, Latinx VMA. Uh, na- there's Native American. Uh, I'm not sure if they're Native American VMA or exactly what their group is called. There's there's all kinds. I, I'm missing. That's like just the tip of the iceberg. And those groups have really all come together to form kind of a network um, over the last couple of years that they routinely get on calls with each other. They work kind of in unison to communicate with the ADMA or, or other topics. We've put out some some things to get, you know, as a, as a group. One of the things we've done all as a group was to kind of send out a, a letters to the state veterinary medical boards to request that part of uh, renewal for licensing for veterinarians at this point. We, I don't know that we've gotten down to the technician end yet, but to include DEI training as part of their CE requirements on some level or, or to kind of include that piece. So that's one thing I'm really excited about that Pride BMC is part of is this bigger network of DEI and and this bigger network of groups that are working towards just a truly inclusive society in veterinary medicine. Awesome. And one other thing that I'll, I'll plug for you is that on your uh, your website, you are selling the stethoscope clips that have the pronouns on them. Our pronoun clips, yeah, thank you. They're they're going like hotcakes. Um, <laughs> pronoun stethoscope clips. Uh, we we had um, we had that kind of come up with. Uh, I can't remember whose original idea it was. I think it was one of our Pride uh, student members and uh, from our student board. We have a student VMC board, which I should say. Sorry, I'm going slightly off topic, but before my stethoscope clips. But our student organization just recently officially voted. So it was it was a student organization. They had chapters at vet schools. They just voted as a board to in, uh, start including chapters at vet tech programs. So our student organization will officially have um, be starting to reach out and establish those chapters at vet tech programs too. So side note to the pronoun clips, but um, they come together because the uh, proceeds from those clips go to back to our student organization. Awesome. Uh, yeah. And they're a great way that you don't have to necessarily introduce yourself to every person with your pronouns, but it also puts it out there that these are, these are what I go by. Please use them. <laughs> you know? So um, it's, that's a, I, I always think of it when I was doing um, relief during, you know, kind of for the last year, I did a lot of triage shifts. So I would talk to upwards of 50 clients a day, you know, and then just, I would not have wanted to have to say every time, hi, I'm Erin, my pronouns are she, her, hers. I, you know, it would be easy. It would have been easier to have that little clip. Right, right. Absolutely. Well, as we approach an, an hour here, I don't, we don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I'm, I'm curious, is there anything that we didn't cover today um, about Pride VMC, about any, about Pride Month, about any of these topics that we didn't cover that you want to get out to our listeners or that you would like to bring up or bring to their attention? I think you guys ask great questions. So I think we covered most of the things I would want to touch on. Um, I guess I would just leave it with Pride VMC is open to 
literally anybody in the veterinary space at all. <laughs> um, you know, we, we, we welcome allies as members. We welcome individuals that, you know, you don't, you don't have to come in because, you know, I announced I'm bisexual, so now I can join. Like, if you're not right, ready right, yet, right. we come in because you're going to find that it's a great support. That's why I was finally, I was finally able to say, you know, say that was because I suddenly met these people that I knew would be supportive of that. Even I mean, and I have a family who would be super supportive of that. So the fact that I never had said it was weird to me now that I've done, now that it's out there, it, it took that profession. So if you're kind of, you're questioning, you're confident in that, but you're not ready to talk about it, you know, what, where you're at with, a, you know, gender presentation or gender identity or sexual orientation, any of those things, come join us. Come to some of our online meet and greets and our town halls. And you'll, I feel confident, at least feel welcomed. And if and when you're ready to come out or talk more about your experiences, um, I guarantee there's somebody there that can probably relate at, and on some level and will all be there to welcome you. Awesome. Um, one question I, I would have, you know, you said someone who might not be ready to come out. If somebody joins Pride VMC, is that is that quote unquote anonymous so that they don't have to worry about that? That's Question. Uh, yeah, if you join pre at Pride VMC, the only person that's going to know you you joined is going to be you when you you know <laughs> when you okay, signed up. Okay. Um, I don't. To, there's no like public membership list or anything right, like that. Okay. So you know, it it wouldn't be anonymous in the sense of. I would know you joined because I'm the treasurer. So I would see your, I would see your, you know, <laughs> your payment come through. Um, right. Actually, I don't even see all of those. So that's a lie. Our CEO would probably be the only one that would see it all. But that said, I would never have any idea. You could be a lesbian. You could be gay. You could be bisexual. You could be trans. You could be queer. You could be questioning. You could be straight and just, or you, you, know, you just could be, be an ally. An ally. Yeah. 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 And so I, like there's there, and there's so many of all of those people out there that I w we would never know one way or the other. Gotcha. Okay. Is there somebody that whether it's it's in Pride VMC or or uh, you know in that network or or somebody else entirely in our field that you would like to see us interview next or or have a discussion about some particular topic next? Anything come to mind about who you would like to see uh, on our podcast or here or here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As it were, yeah. Well, let's see. I have to be honest. I haven't listened to all your episodes, so I might say someone you've already talked to. <laughs> no problem. Um, yeah, I, I have two people that come to mind. Uh, I think I'll, I'll say the first one that I think of would be Kara Burns, um, if mm. you haven't already talked to her. We have uh, not. Yeah, she's just so and, and she comes to top of mind because she's the reason I'm on the pride board now. I actually took her her seat. <laughs> she, she asked if I would be interested in taking over for her. And I was. But I think she is just, I mean, you could talk to her about a million things, but she and I have very similar missions for, I think, the rest of our careers, which uh, mm. is nutrition. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not <laughs> nutrition. Um, <laughs> but both of us, I think our mission is to advance the profession and to help bring opportunities and to help encourage all of those that are coming behind us. And just talking to her about what she's done, where she's going, like the advice she has for those, I think would be great, especially for any of the newer to the field folks that are listening mm. to the podcast. And awesome. is she yeah. is she the editor of today's veterinary nurse? 
Yeah. Or she's involved she in that somehow, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she's the editor. Um, she's editor in chief, or, or is it editor in chief? I don't. I don't remember if that's her title or not. But yes, she is um, in charge of today's veterinary nurse. Yeah, she and she. I mean, she's done it all, right? Yeah. <laughs> she's yeah. 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 Done yeah. so much. So yeah, I think she would definitely be just from a. She'll kill me for terming it this way, but I'm going to like the the you know vintage vet techs. <laughs> like advice like the, we're like all how, how to, yeah. right how, how to be here this this many years in she's just such a good one and she's so uplifting to to hear it from awesome excellent awesome well we're not going to let you go just yet we have one more question and I, I know you haven't listened to a lot of episodes but we have a would you rather question are you ready for it i'm ready okay would you rather take a bath in dishwater or wash the dishes in your bath water after a sh- is it after an emergency shift? <laughs> after an overnight, yes. Okay, all right. If it's after an overnight, then I am bathing in the dishwater. <laughs> For sure. I think I would. I think I would probably do the same. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so as well. That's that's awesome. Uh, well, thank you so much for your time, Aaron, for for coming on the show and talking with us. We know you're you're down at VMX, and and there's a lot of uh, things going on, and, and so I really appreciate you you taking the time out especially you know while you're down there and and have so much else going on yeah um so so thank you so much for coming and talking to us and and you know helping us kind of understand what pride vmc is and and what its goals are and and mission and opening our eyes to a lot of that we we really really appreciate it and i know the our our caffeinators as we call them are are really going to like hearing this episode as well so thank you very much my pleasure. Thank you for thank you for inviting me. I, I'm really excited that you guys thought to uh, bring this topic up. Well, everybody, uh, Dave, any any final thoughts? Uh, no. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, caffeinators. Well, uh, thanks for tuning in today to the Vet Tech Cafe. Um, we hope you enjoyed today's episode, and uh, we'll be back again real soon. And we'll talk to you guys later. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Hey, caffeinators. We would like to thank you for listening to the Vet Tech Cafe podcast today. As everybody is well aware by now, we often talk about difficult issues that face our profession. In addition, we chat with colleagues and leaders in our field who have strong opinions of these issues. Those opinions expressed by either Dave or Jeff as the hosts, or those opinions expressed by our guests, are their opinions alone and do not represent any other person, business, institution, or any other entity inside or outside of the scope of veterinary medicine. If you have any questions relating to this, please email us at vettechcafe at gmail.com or visit our website www.vettechcafe.com. Lastly, whatever platform you utilize to hear our dulcet tones, please rate and review our podcast and like and follow our Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn pages as well to see what we're up to. From all of us at the Vet Tech Cafe, have yourself a great day. Thank you.